In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here. That you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Let us begin our meditation this afternoon by quoting from a passage from the Catechism of the Catholic Church number 1809, where we are told, temperance is the moral virtue that moderates the attraction of pleasures and provides balance in the use of created goods. So, moderates, balance. It says, it ensures the will's mastery over instincts and keeps desires within the limits of what is honorable. That's a very kind of Thomistic uh, definition there. It's very clear, concise, but temperance has a very bad reputation, unfortunately. People often today think, what? Uh, Can't I just, like, enjoy my life? Can't I just seek pleasure? What's so wrong with pleasure? Am I hurting anyone? That's a common defense. Am I hurting anyone? I'm having this uh, extra smoothie. Am I hurting anyone? Hmm? Shouldn't I be able to pursue as much pleasure as I want? And, well, for some devout Christians, temperance, with its call to, like, balance and and moderation and self-control. It may seem to us, oh, he's going to talk about temperance. That means we have to be temperate. And, oh, it may evoke something somewhat boring and maybe even gloomy, like dark and somber dresses. And <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we have to be temperate. Temperance. And it seems as though it's a virtue that tells us don't enjoy food too much. Don't drink too much. Don't experience sexual pleasure ever, maybe in marriage. And it's a kind of negative perspective that is all about telling us a big no. Back in the 1920s, there was a whole temperance movement that sought to eliminate the use of alcohol in the, U- in the U.S. Many of these came from these inv- evangelical backgrounds and they would, they would preach against the evils of drinking until it got to such a level that you know, it got to congressional hearings and uh, Senate hearings until they actually passed a law to make it illegal to consume uh, liquor and that was the whole prohibition era which caused a lot of you know rise in violence and uh, crime organized crime as we know because of that perception that this is a big no it's all about they would think denying ourselves pleasures and this made it very gloomy it made it very puritanical i suppose 
But rather, it's really not about denying ourselves pleasure. It's really not about that. It's about giving ourselves the ability to take delight in the greatest goods. The greatest goods. It's not one big no, but rather one big yes to the highest enjoyments of life, which we can sometimes inevitably be blind to. It's kind of like, I heard this example, like when you go to a Mexican restaurant, they always serve you chips and salsa at first as an entree, right? And the, these chips, they're all these multicolored chips, you know, like purple chips, what? you know, and, uh, and then they give you a huge bowl of chunky red salsa while you're waiting for your main course. And they're very tasty and... Well, by the time the, the, the waiter brings you your enchilada, I mean, you're, you're filled with all these chips and, 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 you know, and all this salsa, and you don't really f feel like eating your enchilada, right? You're just too full to, to eat what you've just ordered. Now, there's nothing wrong with eating chips and salsa, of course, but when we fill ourselves up with that, it's kind of difficult to enjoy the main meal, the very reason why you came to the Mexican restaurant. So we have to understand really the purpose of temperance. I mean, the purpose is to get to the main meal, right? Not to get filled with the chip, the, the chunky red salsa. We know there is nothing wrong with pleasure as such, but as St. Thomas Aquinas says, that in fact God introduced pleasure into all those actions that are most necessary for, for life right? like eating and the preservation of the species they all come tied with great pleasures and God wants us to enjoy these pleasures of life but if we're not careful to moderate these attractions and just moderate the sensory, sensory pleasures we will fill ourselves up on all those secondary things and not be able to really enjoy the main course of life. The highest goods, such as truth, such as goodness, such as beauty, such as friendship, such as love. That's the enchilada right? that we really want to eat, right? or the many enchiladas. We realize inherently, and everybody would agree that, with this, that we are made for much more than our own pleasures. And we are made to give the best of ourselves in our relationships. But that's what happens. A lack of temperance present, prevents us from loving God, loving others, loving our sisters in the work, our friends, as much as we could, as well as we could if we are somehow overly focused in there on that pleasure. And uh, when we lack self-control, we become kind of slaves to our desires for pleasure. We end up somehow always selfishly focusing on their, those pleasures themselves, and we lose focus on those greater goods. And as a result, we'll have great difficulty sanctifying ourselves for the sake of others. We'll often put our desires before others, our, our desires before the needs of others. It, might, it could happen that we'd be so focused on entertainment 
that we not notice the, the tiredness of others. We're just looking at our phone. Now, often the word temperance is often applied to designate quantity. So, you know, when we say a person is intemperate, we usually mean excess. And so we talk about, uh, you know, moderation. That when we live that moderation, when we live that temperance, we arrive at a certain integration. Everything has its place. A balance, a harmony. It's not just a moderation. We end up being able to uh, curtail, curb, uh, bridle those desires. And, but the result of that is this beautiful integration. And St. Thomas says it's, a, it's an ordering of the interiority of man. He says that the first and immediate effect of temperance is the serenity of the spirit. Interior order or serenity is, is the fruit of really living that temperance. And we could sometimes be kind of wired, and we're just totally wired. We're just like upset by little things. Eh? That is, we lack that interior serenity. Maybe it has something to do with the lack of temperance, both in looking at things or even talking, or in the way we've worked. We enjoy somehow working. We just go whole hog on doing something. And somehow we end up with this lack of peace interior peace. Like Pope John Paul II in 1980 spoke to athletes and he exhorts them to foster the harmonious development of the person. He said, of the body also because it is the masterpiece of material creation for being the temple of the Holy Spirit and because the body has the breath of life. And, and yet he also warned them about the worship of the body. And he, he speaks at length about the care of the body also includes avoiding the cult towards the body, like, like the most important thing. You know, you have to be a certain weight and certain attributes as though this were absolutely the most important thing. Naturally, we have to be healthy. But again, it's really pointing to this this moderation which is the expression of reason applied to our body or just the material world and so we have to apply moderation in food in speech in entertainment in work and we have to see how uh, the St. Raphael girls understand temperance the girls that come here these young girls these teenagers especially perhaps they're just seeking experiences that are pleasurable every day, one after the other. And it happens to young people. They haven't really developed their interior world yet, and so they're just they're seeking some kind of pleasure one after the other. I mean, think of a, a teenager you know, who may spend many hours on the weekend constantly just entertaining herself. The boys, well, they look at video games, or they watch, they play video games. I don't know if it's the same for girls, but boys definitely video games they talk they sit down there in the living room and they talk and they go I played uh, I don't even know the names of all these things I mean I, I played I don't know I wish I could tell you the names but uh, you know and um, or they watch one view YouTube video after another or they and update social media they watch their their Instagram feed 
They message their friends. In the meantime, they're filling themselves up with very sugary drinks, with meals, with snacks. And as soon as the slightest tremor of hunger or thirst appears, they won't let it linger for more than 55 seconds. They go to the fridge, they get themselves another drink. And of course, this can lead to a form of enslavement. A girl can be enslaved to her passions, like this, drifting from one point of amusement to another, from one pleasure to, to the other. And we can imagine how the whole aspect of rationality is atrophied. And it is no wonder then that they may have sometimes difficulty finding true friendships, meaningful conversations with the people around her. And as you know, this year they had the Univ Congress in Rome, and it was really all about relationships, you know, how to foster relationships. Why is it that we are having difficulty in relationships? The ability to listen, the ability to engage, the ability to have empathy. But if a young person has been so trained to be so focused on her on pleasing herself, it's, it's not easy for her to enter into other people's problems or other people's lives. And, and as a result, to give the best of herself. You know, it, I'm sure it can happen if a friend of hers tells her, oh, I had this problem, my, my father uh, is unemployed, my father has cancer uh, or something. And then she can, she can maybe say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm going to pray for that. Suddenly, she kicks into caring about that person. This is a very important uh, um, way to foster that temperance about themselves. And we have to pray that these girls be able to connect with others. Think of how that phone can often be just like grafted to their hip and is, as it is often grafted to our own. As we look down for every, every notification that appears. You know, I read that, that Aristotle in his Nicomachean Ethics says that the lack of temperance, he says, is a childish fault because, he says, it makes a person act like a child in, in various ways. You know, a child does not seek what is best according to reason. They don't think. They, they just seek the best for their stomach at that moment. A little, a little toddler. As soon as they experience the rumbling of their tummy, they cry out, I am hungry. They start crying. As soon as they feel a little bit thirsty, they, they want a drink. Please, mommy, give me the drink now. I mean, this doesn't matter if it happens at the moment of the consecration during Holy Mass, you know, where hundreds of people are, are bowing their heads quietly and prayerfully during the most sacred moment. They don't care. They just say, give me the drink. It doesn't matter if it occurs in the doctor's office where there is no food and drink. The baby cries for food or drink and, and that'll happen at any moment when they feel that rumbling. Or a toddler, you know, mothers, you see that, you know, they take their children to the store and, 
and the toddler sees a toy that they want, and he wants that toy. He wants her to buy it for him. But no matter what logic the mother will offer, that actually, you know, you already have four versions of this. You know, actually, it's too expensive. Actually, you have another one that is similar. You do see that sometimes in in some families' homes. You see like a massive amount of toys, right? I mean, I'd like the children to enjoy their toys, but one suspects that maybe those parents were not able to restrain their children's desire because of the, I don't know, the outcry they made in the middle of the store, right? And uh, they were sort of, um, you know, kidnapped into buying these, these toys, which probably, in the end, the children didn't really need. And we adults can sometimes be like children when we give in to our concupiscence, which is this inclination toward a desire that is kind of the result of our fallen uh, human nature. Concupiscence, when it is left unchecked, is like that unrestrained toddler who shouts in the store, I want this, I want this. That's what concupiscence concupiscence is in our life and we can tell the Lord Lord I don't want to be like that child I want to have that moderation that you want for me and we must think where am I sometimes like that little child you know every time we eat the chocolate dessert that we know we shouldn't because there's a dessert okay it happens to be chocolate dessert okay but maybe we, we want another piece, or at snack, we want another one, another one. Or we take that second look, where we know we shouldn't, maybe a lustful look or something. Or we go back to the internet, or, or we may be on Amazon, we buy that piece of clothing that we don't really need. Or maybe it could be bothering somebody with complaints, something has happened to us and we're down about it and we may easily give in just to complaints or it could happen that there's some conversation going on in the get together and we don't um, temper our tendency towards cynicism you know uh, this always happens oh this is not we're never gonna win we're never gonna you know like this this cynical tone to everything does require a certain amount of temperance to to control. It doesn't mean we have to be overly uh, naive and think everything is fine and wonderful, but maybe a cynical comment is not what others need right now and here. And uh, But if we have that, that sad feeling that comes up and we're immediately cynical, somewhere there we need to temper those thoughts, and especially how, those, how they are expressed externally. But ultimately, like there, there are lessons we can draw from the analogy of the unruly child. On the one hand, the person who lacks temperance is like that undisciplined child. And we know that the more the toddler gets what they want, the more self-willed that, that, ch- that child will be, that toddler. And in the same way, the more we indulge in our fallen concupiscence, the more we indulge in our desires, 
well, the more they will gain strength over us. Like uh, St. Augustine talks about that before his conversion. He, he found it more, the more he gave in to his lustful desires, the less power he had to resist them. He became weaker and weaker. He said, when I gave in to lust, habit was born. And when I did not resist the habit, it became a necessity. It literally became like a necessity. He just wasn't willing to live that temperance. On the other hand, the more a child's willfulness is checked, the more it is dis disciplined, the more mature and harmonious that little child becomes, well, the more mature he becomes. And it's beautiful to see a very well-behaved child. A well-behaved child. Which somehow you don't expect. But it points more to the good uh, education of the parents. And uh, I've seen little children like that. They come to the table. They take your food away or something. You know, they, they, they're, they're very well, you know, they're very well disciplined. And one senses interior harmony there. It's not that hard for them. So we have this concupiscence that is kind of in our DNA. And we must learn to restrain it, moderate our feelings or our desires. And concupiscent desires, as a result, will have less hold on us. They will slap us around a little bit less. And the good news for those who battle to free themselves from their enslavement uh, you know, of their concupiscent desires, if we battle, we will become much more peaceful people, much stronger. Now that struggle might sometimes be very difficult, even might feel impossible to win, to resist that extra pleasure, that thing that really we want. But the longer we continue to resist, even in little things, little tiny things, even if the progress is slow, well, the stronger our will becomes. And the weaker the hold will be of that concupiscence on our desires, on our soul. We always say, hey, what are you doing here, concupiscence? Get out of here. Get out of here, you know. And the concupiscence will say, I'm so, sorry, sorry, sorry to bother you. Sorry, madam, I'm out of here, you know. It'll be like a, a well-trained dog, you know. And, uh, you know, I'm reading, reading St. Thomas, I mean, he's, he's very, like, he whacks intemperance, like, he says, it is the most disgraceful of the vices. Whew. You know? And he says, Why? I will tell you why. The first, you know, he says, is that intemperance is the most opposed to our dignity as human beings. Like the animals, we also have desires for food, drink, and so forth. Yet, unlike the animals, we are not meant to be enslaved to these desires. God gave us an intellect and a will by which we are capable of rising above our passions. So we can reflect now, you know, how do I want my life to go? 
What kind of person do I want to become? You know, how much true inner maturity do I really want to embrace? Do I really want that sanctity that God wants for us? And then act freely accordingly? Or do I want to be a slave in some way? We can choose what we want to do with all those desires for pleasure that stir up within us. We can desire this. You know, we can get hungry and we can say, you know, I'm not going to have anything. I'm not going to eat between meals. Or even one day we can say, I'm going to, you know, because of the circumstances, I'm going to skip a meal. I'm not going to have that meal now. We can do that. And Thomas also said that uh, intemperance is disgraceful, he said, because it weakens or dims our ability to reason from which we perform all good uh, acts. It really weakens us. It weakens almost like it's like it were to weaken our intellect, our intelligence. And it could happen that we don't hear the voice of reason, that we don't hear the voice of God in daily life. Even we don't hear the needs of others who need me to listen to them. Imagine, you make some great resolutions as a result of this recollection. But, okay, maybe you write some good resolutions. But then if our resolve is weak, and the monster of our concupiscence is strong, it's like, you know, the orcs, they are... They come in there, you know, the orcs, they're so ugly and they're so gross, right, in Lord of the Rings. And our desire for pleasure is so powerful. Those are so our resolutions, however good they may be, they get like neutralized. And we get eaten by the orcs. Or we could just find ourselves rationalizing why we, we can have that extra piece of dessert or or do more time online or stay stay up later and watch that you know extra hour of YouTube or something and I need to look at this I need to study this or whatever other resolutions or rather rationalizations may come into our head and indeed a good area you know of temperance is to look at social media fasting we know is not just about food but it's Moderation in many areas. It could be in conversations, so, so so we don't fall into gossip. In in rest, maybe we, I don't know, like taking naps. We may really feel like we need to take a nap. Maybe we can like plow through it, or social media or entertainment. Maybe you know we're in a time now that is so everybody needs to be entertained constantly. Right? Pope Benedict uh, the sixteenth. Quoted from a Lenten liturgy, an ancient liturgy, or, or hymn, it said, Let us use sparingly words, food, and drink, sleep, and amusements. May we be more alert in the custody of our senses. It's, it's quite beautiful. And Pope Francis has also uh, invited us to limit our use of internet and television and social media and especially faced with this barrage of noise and uh, distractions and beeps and vibrations and images and updates. It's hard for us to really 
come to God and, and the people that he has placed in our lives. If we fast from these things, uh, we can cultivate a, like a greater silence and, and hear the word of God in our life. That's why our Father wanted to live, us to live the time of night or even the time of the afternoon. And maybe one good area to live that temperance is precisely there at the time of, the time of night or just a greater amount of silence. And maybe if we do that, well, the Lord will say things to us and, and, and speak to us in ways that, you know, we might not otherwise have listened. And Our Lady, sometimes she's called Mary of Silence, okay, will help us to live this, this temperance of all those areas. And she will, she will teach us not to be afraid of temperance, not to, not to think that this is somehow going to make us unhappy. It's going to lead us to the greater goods, eh? the, the greatest joys, the greatest transcendent truths about our life, the beauty, the good, eh? and, 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 and the true. And with that, that beautiful cardinal virtue of temperance, we'll reach for it and reach to the good. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask you help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Amen.